This morning's Old Testament reading is from Exodus in the 14th chapter. At this point in the history of the Israelites, they are in the process of being relieved of their slavery in Egypt. They have just been allowed to depart. The 10th plague has broken the will of Pharaoh temporarily, and they were kicked out. Uh, And now Pharaoh is having second thoughts. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by pi Haharoth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, It is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and seek the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the sixth chapter, beginning at verse 10 and continuing through verse 13. I invite you to listen again for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand On that evil day, having done everything to stand firm, here ends this reading from God's holy word. As he is drawing to a conclusion this letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul 
does what any good author would, and that is he leaves his readers and hearers with something to reflect upon and to remember. He does this by way of an illustration that many of us were first introduced to as children in a Sunday school class with a very creative and patient teacher. Whether we made our very own complete set of armor out of paper or felt or cardboard or trinkets of pewter like my girls did for me, we may, be, we may still be able to recall the making of those masterpieces. This morning, I hope that we can together be reminded of why it was that these craft projects were undertaken in the first place. Paul had been prompted to write this impassioned letter to his brothers and sisters in Christ at Ephesus on account of the reports that he had been receiving concerning their Christian walk. Whereas they had begun their journey strong, now, it seemed, they were faltering. Much of the trouble had come about as a result of a competing gospel message that had tickled their ears. And so, from afar, Paul sets out in this correspondence to remind them of and reawaken them to the message of the cross, the message which he had preached to them when he was among them. He is, therefore, concluding his letter to them with the exhortation to be strong in the Lord. The false teachings that had brought that had been brought to them had weakened them in their resolve to follow the teaching that Paul had delivered to them. Hold on tightly. Cling to the faith, that which was once evidenced in your midst and was a source of comfort and no small amount of pride to the apostle. You can do this, he goes on to say, on account of God and his strength, which more than makes up for any human failings and weaknesses. This is a gift, a gift that he has made available to his children through his spirit, a powerful spirit of boldness. He explains that this power from God is akin to the protection the soldiers of the Roman Empire would have worn. Only it's designed to protect the children of God against a different sort of foe. For the enemy that faces Christians is more formidable even than that of the most powerful army to have ever marched upon the face of the earth. It is difficult and perhaps impossible for humans to fully conceive of such a threat given the inherent limitations of our senses. But we can see signs of these maleficent powers at work in the events of this world. The people who brought a perverted gospel 
to the re region of Ephesus were probably charismatic in their own way, for they had won over a number of people to their message. They may have been what we consider to be pretty good folks, by and large, but they were ultimately agents spreading the propaganda of the enemy who has, from the beginning, been intent on sowing misinformation, confusion, and yes, fake news. The Christians at Ephesus had gone some period of time between hearing Paul proclaim the good news of Jesus and listening to the imposters who came after. It seems that they had not been sufficiently on guard for a number who had appeared to have wholly grasped the word when the apostle brought it were now abandoning that word in favor of another message. This may serve as a cautionary tale for us, for it is certainly not just the ghosts of long-dead residents of Asia Minor that were once upon a time susceptible to such misdirection. In The Silver Chair, part of the Chronicles of Narnia series, the great lion Aslan is addressing a 10-year-old girl named Jill in a dreamlike encounter at the summit of a high mountain. In that special place, he reveals to her many things, concluding with a Christ-like and Paul-like admonition. Stand still, he said. In a moment, I will blow, but first, remember. Remember. Remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you wake in the middle of the night and whatever strange things may happen to you, let nothing turn your mind from following the signs. And secondly, I give you a warning. Here on the mountain, I have spoken to you clearly. I will not often do so, down in Narnia. Here on the mountain, the air is clear and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take great care that it, is, that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and to pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Nothing else matters. The signs in Jesus' life were his miracles and his wonders, but the signs for those who came after his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension are the words of life recorded for us in the gospel record. Remember the words and believe the words. Nothing else matters. 
No other word or words from any source has the same authority. No other word or words from any other source have come from such an authority. With the protective power given you by the Spirit of God, cling to them, Paul implores. This continues to be excellent advice for our own living of that Christian life. For we too are subject to a relentless barrage of challenges to our faith. Not only are the vast majority of words in the enormity of the media universe antithetical to the gospel of Jesus, but it isn't just words that we are assaulted by, but daily deeds that we see perpetrated against others and against ourselves. It can be a real challenge to find an appropriate response, to stand up against the injustice, the unfairness, the downright evil things that we see taking place all over the world and right here in front of our own eyes, tempting as it may be from time to time, we are not to fight fire with fire or, as Scripture says, repay no one evil for evil. On our own, it would be nigh on impossible to resist such an urge, for that's how the rest of the world works, an eye for an eye, after all. But the way of Jesus is available for us to faithfully follow precisely because we have the armor of God to gird us for this battle against the forces of this world and the forces that are at work even within us, inviting us to move on from that old outdated way of thinking like stuffy old Paul and moving in step with the changing ways and times of this world. Standing firm. It also applies to the way we respond to adversity, to disappointments, to setbacks, to illnesses, even to death itself. It becomes perhaps more readily apparent at times when we are challenged by just such circumstances, when we find ourselves at our lowest, we're faced with a decision whether to give in, whether to give in to hopelessness and despair, whether to give in and to escape through the numbing of chemical or alcohol addiction, or whether to rely on the promises of God, to be protected by the armor of God fitted specifically for us to defend against the world and her nefarious princes, to be empowered by the spirit of our deliverer, to accept the reality of tragedy alongside glory, and to draw the necessary strength from that inexhaustible well of the divine. As Paul was composing his letter to encourage the Ephesians to do just this very thing, I have to think he was also, in part, writing to himself. I've been told that some leaders in the church have been known from time to time to do just that. As Paul is addressing his brothers and sisters, he is doing so from prison. He has been arrested and confined on account of his preaching and living the gospel truth that same truth he is here commending. 
He would have been doubtless in need of encouragement himself, given his own circumstances. And I believe that the source of encouragement he has received is the very same that he is here commending. The strength to endure in the face of the relentless opposition of the forces allied against Christ, his work and his word, and those who would seek to proclaim and live them, comes not from within believers, but as a gift from beyond the believer. That strength is not inherent in humanity. It is simply a gift that we have been given. Not only are we not in this fight alone, we cannot contend with just our own abilities or the foes would simply overwhelm us. Paul has been up against a number of them himself already. He is writing here from experience. Sometimes we listen to sound advice. Oftentimes we don't. And as a result, we find ourselves making the very mistakes that we were counseled against making. We learn difficult and often very painful lessons that could have been learned in far easier ways. If you've been striving on your own, sooner or later, your strength will run out. There is no need for anyone to reach that point, yet many of us still do. Whether you're on your way or you find yourself already at that point, may these words of Paul to the Ephesians serve as a reminder that things don't have to be this way. Life is hard, there's no doubt about that. But we don't have to make it harder by pretending that we're destined to go it alone. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, take up this freely offered whole armor of God so that you may stand firm in these days when the powers and principalities of this world and beyond line up against us as the cosmic forces of evil seek to divide us from the truth that we were made to know. Always remember that God is greater than any foe and he has made provision to protect those willing to accept his saving power. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.